Should Jason Williams still be in play for the Cleveland Browns at pick 13? George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia, get to know the name. We talk D-tackle prospects, pass rushing prospects, and a soft 2022 quarterback class with PFF's John Costco on your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, the Locked On Browns podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Browns their first listen day in, day out. Whatever podcast podcast platform you use, make sure you're following, subscribe to the Locked On Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews, all of that good stuff. Uh, as Combine Week continues to roll on, again, workouts won't start till Thursday. Here we are, March 1st. Yes, March already. Crazy as it seems, but, you know, hey, Combine time. Uh, about two weeks out now from, you know, the legal tampering period for NFL free agency. We're going to get some thoughts here. Mr. John Costco in the building from PFF. Uh, at John Costco three, if I didn't get to myself at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the show itself at Locked On Browns, follow back account. DMs are open. John, um, I, I, I'm just going to jump right into it here, and it's always a little different, obviously, draft coverage through the PFF perspective because, unlike every other outlet, the grading system is a huge part of what you guys do as far as draft work. So. For a lot of people, they see names that they don't normally see high. They see names low that they were they're not normally accustomed to seeing there. I wanted to start and kind of maybe jump in as far as you know a couple of names here that don't maybe necessarily resonate or you know tread water with a lot of other outlets as far as you know the way the perspective of draft coverage comes from PFF. Yeah, so obviously, like like you said, we we use our grades as a kind of a barometer. It's not the end all be all, and especially with with when it comes to ranking these guys, right? Like as an example, DK Metcalf didn't grade well in college because he wasn't utilized very heavily in college. Um, but we you could see purely see the talent that was on the field and, and what type of a freak athlete he was. He was our number one wide receiver that year. Um, and the NFL still took him into the second round. But we, you know, I think from from a grading perspective, he wasn't the highest graded guy. So um, you know, we go into to why why we grade him that uh what why he graded low lower than the other guys, but then you know, why we um ranked him higher, which you know, you, you look at traits right like not everything is just like straight grade for grade correlation with with especially wide receivers when it comes to offensive and defensive lines that does actually correlate pretty dang well um and so you know with like in this year right now we're, we're lower on Traylon burks than everybody else we have him as our number 29th overall uh on the big board number five wide receiver um and we have a lobby at, at you know, the number four wide receiver. And I know a lot of people have those guys higher up. So, um, you know, I think from, um, you know, there's, there's multiple reasons and I can, I can, uh, I can ramble on and get into that if, if, uh, if you want me to. 
Well, it seems that people have left me alone to you know drive the Chris Olave train, and I don't understand what the problem is going to be with a guy who runs in the four three. He's going to have the most production out of any one of these wide receivers who's being mentioned drafting in this top area. Um, age is not an issue. He's only one month older than Garrett Wilson, but did play four years of college. And this isn't a knock on Garrett Wilson, and this is something I actually like on both of these wide receivers. Is both players shined with two quarterbacks. Um, so it was never a scheme dependent thing. It was never a quarterback dependent thing. And, you know, one of the things you have, you know, when you're doing this is, okay, well, that's great. You know, here he is. Wow. We saw the kid ball out in his comfort zone. We're going to uproot him from his comfort zone. He's going to go somewhere across the country. He's going to now be around grown men paying their bills. Um, and the other thing is, is, you know, here's a brand new quarterback who in a lot of these cases, the quarterback is the face and the heart of the franchise maybe guaranteed a hundred plus million dollars. So if it doesn't work out, most likely it's the young wide receiver who's going to be, you know, out of the mix as opposed to, you know, the veteran high priced quarterback. Yeah. So when you compare those two guys, right. So I agree you, you still thrive with a new quarterback. Part of me. So when it comes to Chris Olave is why did he return for a senior year um, when he could have come out last year? my thought on that was that NFL teams weren't as high on him last year and said, you, you're, you know, you're not a first round pick or whatever. And a lot of people thought he was last year, but clearly you don't go back to school if you're, you're, you're a highly touted guy. Right? Enough, yes. So he comes, he comes back. Um, one of the things when you look at their grade, you know, this is another thing, right? Like why, we, why I said, you know, initially we don't grades aren't the end all be all, but they do factor into this. Right. So Chris Olave in 2019 was, was an 85.1 uh, last year was an 83.3, right? So those are, you know, two points lower, but they're relatively close. Garrett Wilson was in 2019 as a freshman was a 72.7 and then took a big jump to 81 uh, as a sophomore. Garrett Wilson then continued to move up to an 84.1. Alave dropped down to a 79. So from a, from a grading aspect, Alave start was on a downtrend every single, you know, the past three years, whereas Wilson was up. So you look into why that might be the case. Alave doesn't break tackles. Like he like legitimately just cannot do it. Um, he broke two this one, actually just one this year. Um, and that was because he basically outran the guy and the guy was diving for his foot and, you know, couldn't, you know, he you know kind of tripped him, but then he kept his bounce. Right. So that's one of the things about Alave that, is a, I'd say, a, you know, a red quote unquote red flag. Um, I, I don't, he's a, he's a very, he is a, he's a really smooth and good route runner. I don't, I don't really actually know if he has the, the speed that you talked about. Um, well, they say, I, I, I can, I can see where you're saying, you know, and it's one thing to say somebody runs in the four threes and then it's one thing to watch the tape and say they may run in the four threes. But, you know, when you say that, I mean, there should be absolutely blowing past people. Right. And I don't I don't see him blowing past people like a Jameson Williams does. Right. Like Jameson Williams yes. is an absolute like track star speed type thing. Like he he just absolutely destroys angles like like a Tyreek Hill uh, did. And, and, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that Jameson Williams is, is that fast or a Randy Moss type speed, but he's clearly the fastest guy in this class. And he would run in the four twos, four threes if he were to run this weekend, um, if he didn't tear his ACL. I think I would say that Chris Olave is more of a mid four fours guy, which is obviously fast. Um, but I don't see him blowing people out of the water with his speed. I think Garrett Wilson is actually faster. Um, he looks faster in, in and out of his breaks. 
And so that's the one thing too, right? Like, so Lave is a type that you're not going to, you're not going to be able to use a Lave in the screen game um, because he can't break tackles. Uh, so he's basically going to be more of a downfield threat. Um, and he's also not a big wide receiver to be able to do that. So he's got to be able to try to win consistently in that. Granted, he does create separation at one of the best. So his skills is just more limited than what Garrett Wilson's is. Um, Garrett Wilson has his own red flags where he's probably not super physical and he might be kind of, you know, pigeonholed into the slot at the next level. But I think Garrett Wilson's kind of like a Stefan Diggs type where they both, you know, both basically the same size um, and they both create like really easy separation um, and are really good, you know, in an, a short in the intermediate routes and then really good at the catch point with just being able to boss at the catch point. So, I mean, like we, we nitpick these, right? Like I think both guys can be really good. I don't know if I would consider Alave a, a surefire number one wide receiver at the next level. I think if he goes somewhere he, and to be the number two, he can be a really productive wide receiver in the NFL. He, he could be a top flight number two in the NFL early on and then to potentially develop into a one. I think Garrett Wilson, because he's like, you know, I, I, I comp him as digs. That's kind of like my ceiling for him, which is obviously clearly a number one wide receiver. I wouldn't say any of these guys right off the bat should be number one wide receivers, though. That's understandable. And Jamison Williams, was this a was this a Jamison Williams then the next tier before the ACL injury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the ACL injury does kind of like plays into a little bit of where where he gets ranked and stuff. But I mean, I assume he's going to come back from his ACL injury. 100%, right? Like the, the guys, how, how they are able to, to come back. From it's not like reason. we haven't seen 7 million people go through this football-wise. So the the odd is you think he returns to form as opposed to it, it takes a lot away from him, yes. Exactly. And like George Pickens came back this year. Yeah, he probably came back too soon. He, he tore his ACL late March and, and came back at in November, which is insane. But he did. Um and, you know, James Williams has more time to come back from his, to you know, for training camp. So I think for me, Jameson Williams, like he's, he's, if not just a speed guy as well, he has the full package where he's, his vertical, his vertical route tree is, is impossible to stop. And then he can combine that with, with, you know, in breakers, out breakers and comebacks and, and quick, quick hitches and slants. And because of his speed and his quickness, it's, it's, really really tough to even stop him the only only way you could potentially do it is is to to you know go press him at the line of scrimmage but he's got the frame in my opinion to add more weight and more physicality to his game that he can you know learn to to beat that better yeah i mean for me it, it was if we're not if we're taking the acl out of the equation is if james williams jameson williams on the board at 13 it's not even an option he was the guy go ahead I'm taking him. I'm even. I'm taking him I, I, John, even with I, it. I, I am not. I'm still not yeah. talking myself out of it. I, I, I'm really yeah. not because the, the level of where he was this year, and thinking and keeping in mind that he was just getting his feet wet, getting his confidence about himself, and you know, like much probably like you talked about Garrett Wilson, where you saw it. You know, basically his own game climbing the mountain. Jamison Williams, same type of thing, but yet just at year one here and look, I mean, the transition to the NFL certainly going to be difficult. Um, but you know, if you're in the sec and you're playing at Alabama and everybody you're playing week in week out, can't run with you in the sec, 
guess what? These are pretty much the same guys you're playing with on Sunday. So if they can't run with you on Saturday, most likely they ain't running with you on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you, you just, you, what, one of the things too, I, I, I talk about this with, with Garrett Wilson, how he's, he's climbing that ladder every single year to me that that matters, right? Like uh, as an example, Tr- Trevor Lawrence last year, every single year of his career, he came on onto the scene as a true freshman and lit, lit the world up and won a national title, but he didn't grade. He graded it like a 90, 90, 91, something like that. Right. But he stayed at that level every year, which is like, all right, that's fantastic. But then is he growing as a player from a grading aspect? You're saying, no, he isn't though. You can see some aspects of his game getting better on, on tape. He was a little bit more accurate. Um, but that scheme at Clemson really kind of protects him. You look at like a Deshaun Watson or, or Patrick Mahomes, those guys from their freshman year to their, their junior year, when they came out, they were, they, they improved every single year grade wise. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, can't, you know, his, his sophomore redshirt sophomore year was a 91, 92. Then he made a leap in his second year and you know, his, his junior year and then kind of stayed the same. If not took a, very very minor step back in terms of grade wise his senior year and so it's like all right the the growth was stopped right like there's you know a nitpicking here right but like there's a there's a factor of like i want to see them continually prove every single year not granted this doesn't always it's not always the case right like josh allen got worse in his his final year um a lot of it has to do with the fact that he lost a good a good amount of players from his weapons to to the nfl but I just like to see that, right? Like it just kind of gives you more comfort in what that guy can do at the next level. You can see, Hey, this guy got better every single year versus a guy that was basically, you know, produced the same level and didn't improve and actually got worse in terms of like a a grading aspect. And it's only a part of it, right? Like that's not everything you're going to take into consideration, but it's part of it that I look into. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more here and we're going to kind of try to pinpoint maybe what actual type of wide receiver is essentially what we're looking for. The Browns are Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, as far as what fits their mold. We'll get to that here a little bit more. Your latest Locked On Browns, PFF, John Costco in the house for this one. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds possibly baseball, and of course, carried you through all the Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use the, your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So, John, for the Browns, what exactly, who exactly, who are the guys that maybe are going to be the guy, what fits here? What works? I mean, we've seen players like Odell Beckham Jr. And that was maybe more off the field stuff than it was on the field stuff as to why it didn't work. Jarvis Landry, maybe just not the athlete. There's things, and obviously a ton of things in Jarvis Landry's game that bode well with the Browns offense. Um, when we talk about the lack of verticality, Jarvis Landry is certainly somebody that plays into the equation of that with the Browns offense. Donovan Peoples-Jones, we see some of the vertical aspects. But then again, you can't just be a one-trick pony when you're on the field. You've got to be able to do you know, basically the full repertoire. You've got to be able to do a little bit of everything. 
So, you know, you're not a key for defenses. Anthony Schwartz, you know, time will tell. I don't think we really have enough to go on on this point, you know, to this point. And, you know, over two years, you know, all they spent on the wide receiver position is bringing back Rashard Higgins, you know, drafting a Donovan Peoples-Jones, drafting an Anthony Schwartz. So it's hard to tell exactly what their view, what their vision is, what their ideal type of guy is for, you know, a wide receiver who's going to be higher in the pecking order, certainly than, you know, the first two they drafted are. What actually fits? What exactly are they looking for, certainly to get this passing game basically back, you know, back up off, off the mat, so to speak? So I, I think first and foremost, they're looking at speed and athleticism um, based on who, you know, the profiles of the guys that they've drafted in a wide receiver room, right? Like Anthony Schwartz, world-class speed. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones lit up the combine. World-class um, athlete. World-class athlete, exactly. So basically, I think what we're going to see this week at the combine um, will will tell a good amount of who they might target and who they won't. Um, and especially early, like, you know, round one, round two, they're going to be looking for like age is a factor for them. Like they don't, they don't draft old guys early in, in the draft. They might, might take uh, older guys later in the draft, but definitely not early in the draft. Um, and so they, they, you know, you're talking about athleticism and, and being young uh, because they want to be able to have that guy for the long term and, and not have them basically on a one contract. And then all of a sudden they're already 28 years old or something like that. Um, so I would say, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, specifically what they, they target in the, you know, the first or second round, depending on how they, they go attack this, because they haven't been able to shape this wide receiver room to how they mold. They envision it, right. Because they inherited uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And, and Jarvis Landry in those contracts, and you couldn't get out of those contracts until this offseason. So now they can, and they can mold this to how they want, and so and get a top two, top three room in terms of how they want it. My assumption is that they're going to be looking at the speed. Like I said, Jameson Williams fits that boat. You're probably talking about um, like Garrett Wilson and and Drake London. Is doesn't look like the world class athlete type that you would say that you're, they're going to target that high, but um, who knows? Uh, Traylon Burks has that uh, that size speed factor. We'll see what what he you know how he tests out and everything. I, I would say that his explosion and and probably isn't going to be up there. And just my feeling based on his tape, I don't think he's going to test out in terms of the jumps as high as people might think. Um, George Pickens would be a a guy that I think has the world the, the top flight speed. Um, and that might they might like, but then again, like also with the fact that Kevin Svancy likes his wide receivers to block, um, looking at guys that can can block, and uh, James Williams is one of the worst blockers of, of this wide receiver uh, group, which is crazy about, because but. he's a plus special teams player. So it's like, are you just not giving the effort? Because it, to to say that somebody is an incredible gunner on special teams and a lackluster blocker, it makes you wonder. It's like, well. Where, where are you going all out, dude? Because Gunner is not a fun job. No, it's nothing that anybody ever wants to sign up for where you're going to get two guys beating the daylights out of you for 45 yards, and then you got to try and go make a tackle. So it, yeah. it, it does seem like a weird correlation as far as that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think though, like, Williams, it's probably a lack of, of effort thing. Like, hey, or maybe not, you know, just doesn't haven't practiced it too much or whatever. But even just. John Metzi didn't didn't grade well as a run blocker, so you know maybe it's an Alabama thing that they they are hey I, I don't know right, but uh, you would think that like none of these guys are 
going to be great blockers anyway, but you want guys, you know, they might be looking for, you know, the, the, the better blockers in the class. So like a Kyle Phillips from UCLA, um, he, I, I like his tape. Uh, he's not going to be the, the a, a track star speed, but he's going to, I bet you he's going to run in the, the six sixes uh, for a three cone. He's that quick. Um, a guy that they're probably not taking early in the draft that might be there later for them would be a Christian Watson from uh, North Dakota state. He's he, I, for me, from him, from a movement standpoint, he's phenomenal for a six foot four, six foot five guy uh, grades. Well, as a run blocker, uh, Chris Olave actually grades well as a run blocker. So that might be something that they go for, right? Like they, they like, so those are the, you know, those are the guys that are at the top of the class in terms of run blocking. But again, run blocking is just not that important for a wide receiver. And you want to take the upside more so with the receiving game rather than just the, Oh, let's get ourselves a run blocking wide receiver. Cause then you, you get pigeonholed too too much into, you know, not utilizing the upside of, of what they can do in a, in a receiving game. And, and look, and a lot of it comes down to, I mean, it is laziness. I mean, John, you were a defensive back. I was a wide receiver and it was not, I, I was never coached, you know, it, look, it, we're not looking for deep leaders. You know, we're not handing out pancakes to anybody get into his chest and move him either get him going to the left or get him going to the right. The running back is supposed to read your ass and he's supposed to you know, make the appropriate cut, get engaged, get involved. Go ahead. Right. And and another thing too, is like, it's, it's an effort thing. It's, it's what, it's what you, if the coaches are preaching, Hey, make these blocks, the players are going to do that. Right. So like, we don't know how much they're, you know, these college coaches are telling their wide receivers, Hey, make these blocks, be really good in the run game. Uh, and how much that matters to them, right? So, like, there's there is an aspect of that. So, like, with you know, like Jameson Williams, who didn't grade well as a run blocker, you know, maybe it's it's just an effort thing of you know, hey, the coaches weren't emphasizing that, so he wasn't very good at it. So, I that's another thing too. Like Odell Beckham Jr. was a very good run blocker for the Browns when he's with when the Browns because it was emphasized. But mm-hmm. you would never never consider OBJ as a good run blocker. That's not the first thing you ever talk about with him. So. Yeah, well, and, you know, so a lot of times with the wide receivers, uh, you know, well, we're running the ball here. So it's, you know, basically get yourself near somebody in on defense and, you know, for the most uh, sake, you know, make sure you're ready to go uh, next down when we're actually going to throw you the ball. You brought up George Pickens now a couple of times. Now, George Pickens for me is a very, very interesting guy. You go back, if you were to take this class, say, two years ago, George Pickens probably be one of the hottest names there was as far as going towards, you know, the 2022 NFL draft. Suffered the unfortunate ACL injury last spring, uh, kind of threw off, you know, what would turn out to be his last year in Athens. Um, and I mean, credit to him because nobody would have thought anything if he said, what in the world am I coming back for two or three games for? You know, I just went through all this rehab process. You know, his total focus once that happened in March could have been combine. That is what I am concerned about now for the next 11 months, getting myself ready and basically, you know, announcing my presence back with authority of, hey, I'm back. Um, you did bring up blocking as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned. You can't get that, you know, that block out of your head. Um, I, I forget if it was a semifinal or the national championship game where he went mano a mano and basically pointed at the dude and said, I am about to knock your teeth down your throat. <laughs> and what did he do? He knocked the guy's teeth down his throat. So, I mean, you see that. So the first thing when we talk about blocking is, you know, effort. Is it there? Yes. Uh, was able to make a couple of plays you know, uh, throughout the playoffs, uh, you know, and, and being a part of, you know, Georgia winning an eventual national championship. But here's a guy, and I believe you said it yesterday, round two, um, you know, some people, 
still thinking top 75. And just before I get let on in this, um, yes, 40s nice guys, but we're looking for vert. We are looking for a broad jump. And as John mentioned with a guy like Kyle Phillips, three cone. How quick can you get in and out? That's the important things here. But, John, when you talk about Pickens, it's obviously – for you, it obviously feels like there's something there. Yeah, this guy is an ultra competitor. Like, you don't come back from your ACL injury that quickly to to play college football when you – you know, you're going to go into the draft. That's the time people are, that's the time people are going home. I'm done. I'm headed towards the NFL. I'm coming back now. He could have coasted it into the combine and got himself ready for that, but he didn't. He wanted to compete on the field with his teammates, which is, you know, that matters. That that's a factor of like, all right, this dude is a competitor. And then you look at every pass that's thrown his way. He competes for literally every single ball that is thrown his way. And he, he lays out for like everything. So like balls that are overthrown, he has to stretch out like you saw it in the national title game. He had to take, you know, the, the dive for that ball that the, you know, what it was at 50 yards down the field or whatever, not a perfectly thrown ball. He had to lay out for it. He, you see that type of stuff in his tape all the time. Uh, back shoulder plays as well, where he's got this incredible, you look at his freshman tape, like as a freshman, he had this incredible body control where on like back shoulder goes, where he's, he just, almost unstoppable if the ball is actually you know thrown accurately or whatever but he he can find the sideline and recognize where he is on on the field and keep his feet in bounds um and you know he's he's got the prototypical like x wide receiver size that you want like he's six three six four uh 200 plus pounds and he's gonna run really fast and he creates easy separation on those on those deep routes where um and with really good hands so like i to me, like I have him as a first round pick. Like I have him as my number three wide receiver in this class behind Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson. Like that's how high I am on him because um damn be the the ACL injury and he only played for 66 snaps in, in 2021. He the fact that you all that stuff combined, and then you look at just if he would have played this year, he would be a first round pick. Like I don't there's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, because that's how good he was. And um, you know, and in 2020 and also as a freshman. So yeah, I, I like what he brings to the table. Um, and you talk about Georgia too, like, yeah, did he ever eclipse a thousand yards this season? No, but they're a run first team. So the, very, very similar to the Cleveland Browns. Look at Michael Thomas, you know, t- exactly. Look, look at Michael Thomas he, out of coming out of college. He wasn't a thousand yard receiver. The same thing with Terry McLaurin. Like it matters in the system in terms of like, are you able to eclipse certain numbers and, you know, just raw production numbers. I, he they look at the traits with this dude. He he's just an absolute boss with you know at the catch point and he, and he can create separation. And we're talking about this and, and you know the importance of the you know verticality in the passing game is certainly you know what you're looking for more of from Donovan Peoples Jones. Hopefully Anthony Schwartz can contribute. The Browns love these little rollouts. Uh, one of John's favorites, Y Leak. You know where the tight end just runs out to the flat. And it's not where you need to take this passing offense, you know, and, and saying it's going to be on the caliber of you know what the Chiefs do, what the Buffalo Bills do. But in order you hit some of these vertical routes, it just makes things so much easier. So these tight ends and these plays where you're having these little rollouts and they go for five, six yards, that's great. But if there's the threat of the verticality, these are easy 10, 12-yard plays, and you're putting together five, six play drives where you're going to the house, not just getting a field goal out of it. Not to mention it opens up your screen game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Not to mention all that it does for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as far as running the ball. It just overall eases on your offense. We're going to flip it up here. Um, Obviously, the Browns, as of right now, 
have a lot of holes on the defensive line. And this is some things that certainly are going to need to be addressed through free agency, certainly through the draft. We're going to get to all that and more here. Your latest slot, Don Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd, with John Costco. <clears throat> the good folks at Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions is your Odyssey and LX? Is it an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low and for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to all your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Love Rock Auto. Rock Auto on YouTube, you can save yourself a lot of money, Mr. Costco. Yeah. Now, John. Um, Jadavian Clowney, obviously this is a huge domino for the Browns. Um, he comes back that makes, you know, the forecast and basically the to-do list a lot easier. They were able to put one of these things to bed already with the restructuring of Jack Conklin over the weekend, but you need defensive line help. You need it interior. And even with bringing Jadavian Clowney back, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, there's a reason they were so interested in Tack McKinley, foot speed, so interested in Jadavian Clowney, foot speed. Uh, athleticism. So bringing just Clowney back alone is not going to, you know, change their focus on what they necessarily want to do as far as pass rushing. But there's some names here, and for this is where it gets tricky because free agency may be the better answer. Because what you like of this defensive tackle class, once you get to age, you know, if you have seven names, you get to the age of these guys, and you might be clipping four, if not five, of these guys right off the list as far as you know what the Cleveland Browns draft and what they usually don't draft. Um, but the edge class, and look, if you don't sign Clowney, I mean, 13 is as much as in play for pass rusher as it would be for wide receiver if Jadavian Clowney does not come back. Um, but some names here, and look, it's, it's I don't want to say it's top heavy at the edge. I want to say, I'd say maybe it's top 100 heavy at the edge position. There are a lot, a lot of guys. So, I mean, if you can get Clowney back in the fold, you're looking second, third round. But there is possibility this is something that may have to be addressed at 13. Yeah, I, I would hope that um, they can have that more shored up. Um, both positions. So, like, you never want to be pigeonholed into either position, right? Like, no position you want to be like, oh, we have to take this um, because we, we need to fill a hole. Uh, the draft isn't for filling holes. That's what you do in, in free agency, essentially. And which they, the Browns have done a really good job with that. Um, I would say that, you know, when they took Jedrick Wills, it was kind of, it was filling a hole, but they did a lot to already shore up that offensive line in the first place where they didn't, they didn't have to, you know, pigeonhole themselves into any one prospect because he played on the right side or the left side. They obviously they took uh Jedrick Wills, who was a right tackle and they, they transitioned to the left side, but with his edge class, um, it's really deep, right? Like it's a really deep edge class, whereas the defensive interior position is not. So I think with, with free agency, yeah, you do hope to try to resign uh, Jadavion Clowney, but even if you don't sign him, um, you, you, there are other options on the table for them that, that might be a cheaper and younger um, and just as productive. 
um, you know, for, for them. So they're, they're, you know, like if you wanted to go off to Harold Landry, different style of edge rusher than what you have in Jadavian Clowney, uh, but definitely younger and a guy with, you know, some upside there. Um, if you, if you wanted to go on a one-year type type situation for for cheaper, uh, you got Jerry Hughes, who's obviously older, but he is still very productive for them. Uh, a Derek Barnett would be available for them. There's there's a number of options that they have there in, in the edge class, but you, I think you you like the continuity that you would have with Jadavian Clowney when he was on the field with Miles Garrett. It was a very disruptive force to put those two together. They played well off of each other um, and were very productive. So I, I, you will hope to do that. And then when it comes to the draft. You know, they're not going to take a Jermaine Johnson early on. He's a red shirt senior. Um, he is very old for, for them, and he's going to go in the first round. So Browns are not going to be taking a guy like that at 13 by any means. But a guy that, you know, they might take would be a George Karlaftis at 13. He's um, out of Purdue. He's a, you know, he's a phys- he's basically kind of like a uh, – he, he does – he plays a lot of power, heavy hands, um, and and – you know, he had a pass rushing grade this year of over 90. So he looks, he has the production that you want from that position. He's also a junior who's, I think he's almost not quite 21 yet, but he's, he's going to be. And that's, you know, that's the age factor you're looking for. Um, you know, it's very unlikely that Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau would be falling to them. So um, I'd say they, they're out of the question. Um, maybe, maybe like a Trayvon Walker could be potential in play for them at 23. But I, I would say that, um, this is, it's a, not a position that you have to take at 13 because of how deep it is, right? Like it's just, it is deeper David Ojabo, you know, Kingsley Enigbar. Um, you, you go to the list, uh, Drake Jackson out of USC. Um, it's, it's a deeper list that you can get a really, really quality guy in the second round if that's what the, the route you go with. And the same thing with the wide receivers, right? Like it's a deep class with wide receivers. You can still take edge you know, at 13, you could trade back or, and then take a wide receiver in, in the second round. So it's, they have options, but what really matters is they should attack this in free agency so that they don't have a hole and they don't have to pigeonhole themselves into filling a need in, in the draft. No. And the other thing is, is, you know, I mean, look, we, what the wide receiver room is where it's at and you know, the situation there, but I mean, you know, where a position, and obviously I think if you're looking at positional importance of the Cleveland Browns, they're going to put defensive end over wide receiver because they love to feature all their skill players. So they're looking for basically a lineup of skill players as opposed to one star essentially to build around. If it is one star, we all know that's 24 already. So there is that for them. Um, John, we're hearing names like uh, Mitchell Trubisky having a lot of interest on the free agent market. And I put out a tweet last night, and basically it goes down to this. Um, Tell me the NFL has concerns about this year's quarterback class without telling me that the NFL has concerns about this year's quarterback class. Names like Mitch Trubisky, uh, Marcus Mariota. I I think Marcus Mariota threw about the same amount of passes I did in the NFL. If not, he beat me by one. But these are quarterbacks that we're talking about. Teddy Bridgewater, look, he's done the song and dance you know, all over the NFL. Still still obviously going to be you know somebody in a focus here this year. I think a lot of people love the potential of you know Malik Willis and I can see it. I can get it. But after that it's just kind of like I, I, I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett, yeah. nice player. I don't know if it's somebody I know if and this is small hands. I have bigger hands than Kenny Pickett. Yes. Oh, I know I have bigger <laughs> hands than Kenny Pickett. But for me the other thing though is, is some of these organizations whether it's a new gem, new GM or a new head coach, and 
you could look at Willis and say, okay, hopefully by year two, we think we got something that we can really roll with. But the rest of it is I'm putting my ass on the line for so-and-so quarterback of the 2022 draft class. And this might be my only shot. Yeah. I mean, if, of all these guys, I'm taking Malik Willis. Um, I would say he, he should be a top 10 guy if you need a quarterback in the top 10, because he's, he's got, better arm talent than Lamar Jackson and has that freaky athletic ability like Lamar Jackson does. I'm not saying he's, you know, you you would hope that like his, that's, that's the type of ceiling you can get MVP type caliber player. Uh, and a guy that just wrecks defenses play after play. If you know, when you, you get outside the pocket, he can, he can do that. Uh, the, the problem is that you, he needs to be able to, you know, when, when you don't know what his eyes are doing on, you know, on a down to down basis, like his, he's, you know, he has that Aletha athleticism that you would want, but because he has it, he knows it and he can get away with passing up open wide receivers and running for it. Right. So that, that would be something you, you'd want him to sit. And none of these guys, I would say that you should be starting day one. You, if you're a quarterback needy team, this is why they, these quarterbacks, uh, these teams are are looking towards this free agent class is because I don't think any single one of those, these quarterbacks that are going to come out should be starting day one so you got like you know Jamison Winston would be Jameis Winston would be a great you know starter for you to, for sure uh Teddy Bridgewater would even be a good starter for you I, I would say Marcus Mariota would be a good starter for you if you have a plan in place to you know you know with your your rookie quarterback or whatever um Mr. Trubisky isn't is a not he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to to do much right like I think Maybe maybe he can, um, uh, I guess, play for a few games before your quarterback starts. But he's not a guy that I would trust to be able to. Hey, make sure that you have a a, a good plan in place, and you know he you you can force that court that you, you don't you're not forced to be able to like all right we're good we don't it's not like an Alex Smith situation where it's like Alex Smith was a really quality quarterback. Um, and was taking you consistently to the playoffs um, where, and allowed Patrick Mahomes to sit. Mitchell Trubisky is nowhere close to that. I would say that you can do that with with a Teddy Bridgewater. You can do that with a Jameis Winston. Heck, you could potentially do that with Mariota. Um, I, I would say that Mariota is not like terrible, but like he's he's better. He's definitely better than than I'd say Trubisky. But it's it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to rely on that type of stuff. But yeah, th- this class, like you said, it's it's. It's rough. It's rough. I, I mean, I I like the talent that you, some of these guys have, like a like a Sam Howell, but he, he takes far too many sacks, um, scrambles out of too many things. And he doesn't have the athleticism like a Malik Willis does that you can you know wreck defenses or whatever. So it's 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 a rough it's rough waters out there if you're just going straight free agency or straight uh, draft after I'd say Malik Willis in this and for the quarterbacks. And even, you know, understanding with Malik Willis, it's going to be something that's going to take a little time. And, you know, you certainly don't going to want to force this kid into it, you know, break his confidence, end up with a point where there's too many turnovers or something of that nature. And, you know, you have a kid, you know, struggling confidence-wise. I mean, it's hard enough as it is, <laughs> as John picks up uh, – I guess that's who's running PFF these days, John. That is, Yeah, this this cat. This is Lando. Lando Cat Rizian is what we call him. The other one's Han Solo. Uh, I guess we know who named the other one then, Mr. Costco. Um, John, but just closing it out here uh, this week. Um, and now Combine on a whole. This probably doesn't do much for you guys as far as the work at PFF draft-wise. If anything, it's more of a confirmation, but you know, nothing's probably going to move the needle too much for you guys as far as what necessarily comes out of Combine week as far as testing and attributes. 
Yeah, what what happens with combine stuff would be um, you know, if you if you assume that like somebody's you know faster than what they are and you have to go back to the tape and go like all right what did i miss here right like if you know you're projecting this guy to run in the low four fours and he happens he runs a four six and it's like all right so a why did he run a four six maybe he was injured something like that so it, it makes you it doesn't change the board too much unless you have a massive red flag of, of athleticism right where like you go into it thinking all right this guy is athletic enough and then he tests out as a, as a you know a replacement level type athlete or whatever that makes you change, you know, go back and question and reevaluate. And then, you know, it, do you look at it and go, all right, was it, was it a bad combine? Was he injured or something like that? Or is it, there are actually red flags when it comes to this player. So um, that's what you look for in this, right? Like you confer, you don't, you don't change your board because the dude ran a four, three, right. You don't change a board because a, you know, guy ran a four, two, or, or, you know, did this many reps on the bench or was this in the, in the three cone. Um, it's just part of the, you know, the whole picture that we look at. Um, you know, basically a lot of this is, you know, confirmation um, or, you know, and the other thing is, is, you know, you don't count it twice. If you thought the guy was fast just because he ran fast. Now, all of a sudden, you know, again, it's con- it's confirming yeah. things. It's not exactly. something that counts twice. He is John Costco, part of PFF. And we appreciate John for all the time that he can make for us. Um as we go through here, obviously, you know, John will be coming on in the coming weeks as we, uh, you know, start to talk about, you know, players that the Browns have brought in through free agency. We get to that type of stuff um, and, you know, getting closer and closer to the draft as we start to maybe get closer to Browns targets. And, of course, after the draft, as we can sit down and, you know, go through uh, the Browns 2022 draft class. So we always appreciate John for his time. Make sure you're following John Costco three uh, show itself at Locked on Browns. Follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ. Underscore Lloyd, DMs are open over there. Questions, ideas, thoughts, you guys know you're more than welcome to pitch it uh, on over with the offseason. We certainly have a lot more um, flexibility within the daily schedule of shows of what we can put into shows, what we you know can take out of shows, so to speak. So appreciate you all for that. Um, appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Browns their first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you use. Make sure you're following or subscribe to the Locked On Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews. So we got here to obviously the wide receiver position, a ton on that thoughts on the edge and the D tackle class and what appears to be a soft, soft quarterback class in the 2022 NFL draft. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things. Don't pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.